I invite you to take your Bible tonight and open to Psalm 5, the fifth Psalm. The title of the message tonight is A Well-Ordered Prayer. This psalm tells us that the righteous can pray confidently for deliverance from the schemes of the wicked because the Lord hates wickedness. Psalm 5, the subtitle here in my Bible says prayer for protection from the wicked. This is for the choir director, uh, for the flute accompaniment of, uh, in reading this, I often think what this psalm might sound like with a flute accompaniment. <laughs> I think there's a purpose in that. It is a psalm of David. We'll read the psalm here, and I trust uh, tonight that your prayer life would take on new vigor because of this psalm. Beginning there, verse 1, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house at your holy temple I will bow in reverence for you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out. For they are rebellious against you. But 
Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And may you shelter them. That those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, um, we, we come before you asking that you would invigorate our life of prayer. Uh, that you would help us, Lord, even with this psalm to be more resolute in prayer. And, Lord, that we would be uh, more regular in prayer and that, um, God, uh, that we that we would be people who, who pray in faith, knowing that you hear and that you act. So, Lord, help us. Uh, with this tonight, uh, impress it upon our hearts. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that there would be much fruit uh, from the lives of this flock uh, in the realm of prayer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So it's a, we've got basically a three-point uh, sermon tonight. We've got verses one through three in which we will see the beauty of prayer. The beauty of prayer. Then in verses 4 through 7, we see the basis of prayer. And then in verses 8 through 12, we see the blessing of prayer. So we'll start there, obviously, with the first point there in verses 1 through 3, we see the beauty of prayer. The psalmist, uh, you, you and I note the sense of urgency in the prayer. From the first words, give ear, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, Lord, give ear to my words, O Lord. And I love that right there, O Lord, that's that covenantal name for God. There's a relationship going on here, and that's, uh, you know, prayer is evidence of that relationship that we have with God. You know, we, we, if, if I like anything about what the psalmists uh, say from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150, it is that prayer and, and our relationship with God and the prayer that we have here, and that involves our words to him and his guidance to us, that, that prayer is not something that's rote. It's not something that is mechanical. It is something, yes, it should be regular, but it is a relationship. We are children of God. Uh, because we've been born again by the Spirit of God, we've trusted Jesus, we've received the free gift, the free pardon of sin through Jesus Christ, and we're God's children. Uh, we relate to Him in 
the realm of prayer. So give ears to my words and there's that covenantal name for God. Oh Lord, consider my meditation. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think here is where we can benefit from instruction here. And that is that there should be thought. There should be meditation on spiritual things behind the words of our prayer. Um, there's a spirit of prayer. There's an attitude of prayer. Uh, if you want your words to be well-fueled, meditate on the Lord. Think about the Lord. Think about those around you. Think about your own life. Think about where you stand with Him. Think about what God is, is doing. Think about His Word. Meditate. Uh, the Word uh, has to do with uh, chewing the cud. Have you ever, you know, a cow chewing, chewing the cud? Eating that grass, eating that green grass, chewing it up, chewing it up, chewing it up, chewing it up. That's what we do when we meditate over and over and over and over. We take that word of God, we take that verse of scripture, we take that phrase that has popped out to us. We take that action or that teaching of Christ and we think about it and we mull it over. Well, let that mulling over and let that meditation, let that, my translation says, consider my groaning. I really think there's a better word than groaning. I think the better word is meditation. But, but put thought, put meditation uh, behind your prayer. And then we uh, get to verse 2. And again, there's an urgency in this prayer. It's all right to have an urgency about your prayer. Heed, so Lord, not only give ear to my words, but heed the sound of my cry. Here it is for help. The psalmist needs help. And for help to come, he needs God to give an ear to his words and he needs the Lord to consider his meditation and his thoughts. And he needs the Lord to heed the sound of his cry. Because it is a cry for help. It is an urgent cry. You get news from time to time. Go to the Lord with that, with that news. And let the word of God inform your attitude and your, your posture of worship to God. He goes on to say, my king and my God. So there's that, that relationship, that personal claim on the Lord as his king. We are children of the king. And the Lord hears your prayer. And we can be confident he does give ear to our prayer. And he does heed the sound of our cry for help. Because he is... Our only good, benevolent king. It just sounds so good to say that, to think that, to think that God is a benevolent king to his children. And he is. Yeah, you think about earthly kings. Oh my, well, they don't hold a candle to God, our benevolent king. 
He is our benevolent king. He is holy. He is righteous. And he is, if you have trusted Christ, he is your king. He is your God. And why would we sidestep the opportunity to pray to our very own king, our very own God, who loves us and cares for us? And then he says, for to you, I pray. My, that's a, that's a powerful statement there. Born out of a sense of urgency, and we'll get into a little bit more as the psalm uh, unfolds on what that issue was. But he says, I'm, I'm taking this up with you, O Lord. The be- Isn't that beautiful? That, that here we are on this planet Earth. Uh, things are uh, not always going to be uh, the primrose path. Uh, things happen, uh, but we have someone to go to in any time, any season, under any circumstance. We have our very own King and God who will turn his ear, not away from us, but toward us to hear our prayer. How beautiful is that? We're, we're not left here to our own devices. We're we're not left here to try to figure out what to do or where to turn in a certain dilemma. No, we have one to whom we can go and I want to encourage all of us to go to him and bring that sense of urgency with you uh, when you turn to him. Bring your words but bring your meditation as well. Are we too loud? Feel it's ringing in my ear. Okay, good. So he says, uh, and then we get to verse three. It gets more beautiful. Notice this. He says, in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, O Lord. You will hear my voice. You know what the psalmist is doing here? He's declaring to God his intention. In the morning, you're going to hear my voice. Uh, That's pretty powerful. And then, as if it wasn't powerful enough, he says it again. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. There is more in the second half of that verse. And we're going to touch on that. But notice the two in the mornings. Uh, Someone has said that uh, an hour of prayer in the morning is worth two hours of prayer in the evening. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. And I think there's something to God's people, God's children going to him and declaring their intent in, in the morning, O oh Lord, you will hear my voice in the morning. I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Now, here we have two military figures, not personages, but figures of speech here. So in the morning, he says, I will order 
Or I will, another translation says, I will direct. So when you think of ordering or directing, you might think of an archer. And an archer is going to take his bow and he's going to take his arrow and he's going to go out. He's, you know, most archers aren't just going to shoot randomly. They're going to direct that bow and that arrow to a, at a certain uh, target. Well... The psalmist says, I'm going to direct my prayer, where? To God, to the Lord. So that's what he's going to do. And this is going to happen in the morning. He says, I'm going to order or direct my prayer. Another uh, meaning here, uh, this word is used, getting away from the military analogy. The, um, this word is used for arranging the sacrifice. Uh, the priests would arrange the sacrifice on the altar. Uh, so they would, you know, to get ready for an animal sacrifice, they would first arrange the wood. And then they would carefully arrange the parts of the animal. And they would arrange it all. It's also used when the priests would... Uh, set out the bread in the, in the tabernacle. The, there was a table of showbread and they would set out the bread. They would arrange the bread. So what does it tell us? It says, it says to us, in the morning, I'm going to arrange my prayer. I'm going to order my prayer. I'm not only going to lift it to God because he's, the only one who will listen, and he's the only one who can do anything about what, what the concern is that I'm bringing to him. So I'm going to order my prayer. I'm going to arrange my prayer. I'm not going to pray randomly. I'm, I'm not shooting 10 arrows in 10 different directions. And I'm not going to haphazardly enter into prayer without thinking, first of all, of the sacrifice. I think this speaks to us two ways. First of all, the sacrifice that was made for us on Calvary's cross by Jesus. Because without that sacrifice, we have no access to God in prayer. That's why when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus because if it were not for Jesus and his sacrifice, we have no hearing with God. We have access by the blood of Jesus Christ in prayer. And so he says, in the morning, I will order my prayer. He is thinking of the sacrifice. When we order our prayer before God, we should come to him thanking him for Jesus, thanking him for the access we have to the throne room of God. In fact, God's listening ear because of the sacrifice of his dear Son, And were it not for that sacrifice, I have nothing to say and I have no God in heaven to speak to. But because of the blood of Jesus, not because of my merit, but because of what Jesus did for me. I have access to God in the name of Jesus and by his precious blood. 
And, and that's one meaning here, I believe. I believe when we pray, we should think about that precious sacrifice of Jesus. The second thing I think that we uh, should order up is praise. Over in Hebrews 13, uh, the praise, that, the uh, sacrifice that God uh, wants from us is a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of the lips that give thanks to God. So to come to him in prayer for the name of Jesus to be on our lips and the nature of Jesus to be on our hearts and to recognize that there's no access apart from Christ. I think it makes it all the more important that we focus on Christ and that wonderful sacrifice and the opportunity we have to pray to our father in heaven in the name of Jesus and by his blood. And then to offer praise flowing out. The sacrifice of praise flowing out of that. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you. And what does he say? And eagerly watch. And here we get to the second military term. uh, To watch. Now this is something that will invigorate your prayer life. We're going to pray in faith. We're expecting God to hear us. The psalmist said he's so expectant that God will hear that he's going to keep his eyes open for God to respond. That's what he's meaning. That's the meaning here. There is an expectation built in there in the second half of verse three, uh, an expectation on the part of the psalmist for what God will do in responding to the prayer of the psalmist. Isn't that wonderful? I've got an, a word in italics that says eagerly. I will eagerly watch. But the watchman on the wall would eagerly watch. He would be vigilant to watch, to see what, what's going to happen. What's happening out there in warfare or whatever. But here, this is about what God is going to do in responding to the prayer of the saint So that means that we don't just offer up random stuff. It's it's been meditated on. We meditate on the word of God, how to pray, what to pray. We bring that before God. We we marshal all the forces of heaven. And we go to God and we bring him our, our petition. We bring him our praise. We order that prayer. And then we eagerly watch for his response. I was thinking about uh, our friend Elijah. Remember what Elijah did? He, he challenged those false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He ordered the sacrifice, even doused it with water. Right? And then he, he prays as the God who, who answers by fire. And after he taunted his opposition, has your God gone on vacation? Is he asleep at the wheel? No, but then Elijah called on God and God, the God who answered by fire, the fire fell. He responded. There was a well-ordered sacrifice, that altar, everything laid and God answered by fire. Listen, we should, we should be expectant. As believers, that when we pray in faith, God hears, and we should be eagerly watching for his 
answer for his response. We should be looking. I like to say this to myself. I'm looking for daylight. I'm looking for daylight. It may not be the whole package. It may not be the full answer. But I'm looking for movement in my world. In accordance with the prayer to see what God will do. And many times he does start moving pieces around. You pray and something happens. Something. It might be a little something. But he's really good about that. Just pray and be confident in that prayer. Verses 4 through 7. The basis for prayer. He says, for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. Now he's getting into the nature of God, the character of God. He says, no evil dwells with you. None of us are going to argue with that. That's the truth. He's not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with our God. And then he says in verse 5, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. That's plural there. The Lord abhors the man of bloods is the literal. It's just, it really describes a bloodthirsty individual here he says but as for me by your abundant loving kindness i will enter your house so there's a contrast he's recognizing god is righteous god is holy god hates evil he takes no pleasure in wickedness and then he shifts to the horizontal the realm of earth And he says, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. So God hates wickedness and he hates the perpetrators of wickedness. And the psalmist acknowledges that God destroys those who speak falsehood. Then he says, the Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. The word abhor is related to the word abomination. So that's those uh, those words are in the same group. Verse 7, but as for me, so there's, now he's going, as for me. So what is he going to say? In contrast to the wicked, what would he say? How would he, is he going to say, uh, look at me, I'm, I'm so much better than the wicked. I, I've, I've been such a good person. Or I, no, no, none of that for the psalmist. It's beautiful. But as for me, by what? Your abundant loving kindness. I will enter your house. I won't enter your house. I won't enter your tabernacle. I won't come into this realm of prayer to you, O God. I will not uh, seek to uh, bring words into your throne room on my own merit and by my own goodness. No, he says he recognizes that this is indeed the grace of God that allows him to come into the Lord's presence and bring his prayer. He says, it's by your loving kindness that I will enter your your tabernacle. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. 
So that's the contrast, really, between the wicked and between the righteous. That righteousness that you read about in the Bible from time to time, as it is attributed to an individual, that is not there when they're God-fearing and they're God-loving. That is not a righteousness that comes from themselves. That is a righteousness that is imparted by God because of their faith. Abraham did what? He believed God and God reckoned it to him or counted it to him as righteousness. So this is a, a, a righteousness that has been bestowed on us. In this context, it has been bestowed on the psalmist because of his faith and because of the Lord's abundant loving kindness. The psalmist recognizes that it's not him. He recognizes that it's the Lord who has done the work in his heart. Salvation is of the Lord. And we see that reflected right here in verse seven. So the basis of uh, the basis of prayer is that God is a God of righteousness who takes no pleasure in wickedness. It is that there is a there is a fundamental difference between the righteous of earth and the wicked of earth. The righteous of earth are righteous because they have trusted Christ and the righteousness of God has been imputed to them. A righteousness that is not of their own, it is of God and they stand in the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of God for their salvation. The wicked have no such grace on their life. They are wicked and the, the psalmist recognizes that. He says they're boastful. They're not going to stand before your eyes, O God. He says, God, you hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. So there's the contrast. Verses 4, 5, and 6. The Lord and his attitude and uh, disposition toward wickedness. And then verses 5 and 6 the wicked themselves, and then verse 7, the righteous. Right there it is. Verses 8 through 12 is the blessing of prayer. Uh, some of this he's going to um, revisit what he's already said in verses 1 through 7, but we'll, we'll look at this and see the outcome of the psalm. This is the blessing of prayer. He says, O Lord... Lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. So it is interesting that he's received the gift of righteousness. That's why he's righteous. But the Lord is going to lead him in righteousness and his righteousness. It's really beautiful. And this figure right here, lead me. This is the Lord, our shepherd. You can go to Psalm 23 and read it. The Lord leads his sheep. That's what he's doing here. This psalmist, is he's uh, a wonderful attitude with regard to prayer. He's ha he has wonderful insight with regard to God's character, with regard to those who are wicked in the earth, those who are righteous in the earth. And then he knows that he is a needy man. He knows that he needs the Lord to lead him. He's not adequate in and of himself 
to find his own way. No, he wants God to lead him. Lord, lead me. I mean, how many, I mean, we pray that all the time, don't we? Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Lord, help me. Lord, strengthen me. Impart wisdom to me. Uh, don't uh, be afraid to ask for yourself. You have not because you ask not. When you, sometimes when we ask, we ask amiss. But we need spiritual provision. The psalmist is asking for spiritual provision. Oh Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Why? He says, because of my foes. Okay, here we go. This is a real God and he's working with a real man in real time in the real world. And let's not us lose sight of that. We have a real God. We're real people. We live in a real world in real time. And life happens and we need the Lord on our side. And if nothing else, that should invigorate our prayer. And you know, folks around you, close to you, family members, friends, church family, that need this kind of guidance and they need your kind of invigorated prayer over them in their life for what they're dealing with as well. Oh Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. In other words, make it clear. Make your way clear before me. There, and then he goes back to describe the wicked. He says, there's nothing reliable in what they say. The word there is settled. There's nothing settled. There's nothing of substance. There's nothing in what the wicked say that you can anchor into and rely on. That's what he's saying. That's the wicked. Uh, Let's see, gut check. Uh, There are wicked people in this world. I'll go ahead and say it here. I was going to wait some other time. The reason I love this prayer so much is because it recognizes the character of God, specifically his justice. His justice. The psalmist, that's just running through his veins. There's a difference here. There's a difference between God's people and the people of the world. There's a difference in that. And then even among sinners, there's different levels of sin, right? Psalm 1 there are those who, there are those who stand. Well, I mean, we just go back. Well, I just go back one page. There are those who walk. There are those who stand. There are those who sit. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. And the last one is the more steadfast sinner the promoter of sin, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. We live in that kind of world. We need the Lord's help. The psalmist reflects that. He's in that time, in that situation, he needed the Lord's help. He says, there's nothing reliable in what they say. Nothing settled, nothing you can anchor into, nothing that's going to be of substance to you, nothing that will help. He's describing the wicked. Then he says, their inward part is destruction itself. They're all about destruction. 
What they say does not build up. What they say tears down. This is, I guess this could be a profile of the wicked. Right here, there's four things. Thirdly, he says, their throat is an open grave. By listening to them, you would think they care more for death than they do for life. That's the wicked. And they're in our world. And then lastly, they're deceptive. They flatter with their tongue. That's the way they use their influence. They're nothing but death and destruction and nothing they say is reliable. Can't count on it. And they flatter with their tongue to get their way. He just describes them. Then in verse 10, his prayer. Hold them guilty, O God. You you feel like these guys are on on David's trail. I mean, they're after him. Lord, I need your help. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out. For they are rebellious against you. Notice, they are rebellious against you, O God. And verse 11, it, I love that conjunction there. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. You, you think here the psalmist is speaking from experience, taking refuge in the Lord. <laughs> Out there are angry wolves. I'm going to take refuge in the Lord and be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And may you shelter them. That those who love your name, those who love your name. What does that mean? That is a great description of the righteous. They love the name of the Lord. They love the character of God. The name of the Lord represents the character of our God. And those those people that sing for joy love the name of the Lord. He says, let those who love your name, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you. Who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. Make no mistake about it. It is the Lord who blesses the righteous man. And notice this last part. You surround him with favor as with a shield. And the word there for shield is a, is full, it's a full body shield. And more than likely includes the helmet. And he's just saying, Lord the righteous are taking refuge in you and you surround him with favor in the midst of adversity, in the midst of hostility, you surround the righteous with your favor. And that favor is like a full body shield helmet included for safety. A powerful Psalm. We give God praise for the Psalm. I trust it will uh, encourage you uh, in your prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for Psalm number five. Thank you for 
uh, the word. Thank you for the truth. Lord, may we uh, live it out and uh, in, this, in this wicked world in which we live. Uh, help us, O oh God, to incorporate the truth of the word in our lives, that it be applied and that it be applied to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.